0: Hey you, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 111. We are going to be talking about how to hire so you can scale your business, grow your business. And if you're anything like me, you may have in the back of your mind lurking somewhere a fantasy about the perfect business partner. I used to fall asleep at night thinking of this person. The perfect business partner would know just what to do in every situation. They would be able to bill clients for all the time and expertise we gave to projects. They would know exactly how to handle the trades, the suppliers, and don't even get me started about the clients. They would be client whisperers. This was how my thinking went. And in fact, if I tallied up all the tasks I sort of attributed to this fantasy business partner, there would be very little left for me to do. Just the fun stuff, right? Go shop for fabric, choose the furniture, all the good parts that I love. I spent a lot of time thinking that I needed this person to help me run the business because obviously I was deficient. I didn't know how to do it right turns out there's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with you. We just weren't taught the systems and strategies we need when we went to school so we could run our businesses effectively and efficiently. Now we know them. It sounds so easy. Believe me, it wasn't easy as I set out to create them uh, and improve them. A lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but man, we're there. It feels good. And as a testament to how effectively the systems and strategies work, you are going to hear from real life partners, Virginia Toledo and Jessica Geller. They are fabulous designers with a success story that's all about their willingness to put everything they thought they knew aside, and try things a new way. They are no secret in the industry. They were recently named as part of the next wave of Who to Watch by House Beautiful, which is very exciting. And they're going to share their experience with how ineffective hiring was prior to having systems and how easy it can be to hire once you have protocols and procedures in place. I can't say enough nice things about these two fabulous women and the amazing designer who turned us on to them. Thank you, Gail M. Davis in New York City. If you don't follow Gail, you really should. And she was on the podcast way back when, but we need to get her back, obviously. Let me tell you a little bit about Toledo Geller. They are a boutique firm and interior design partnership based out of Englewood, New Jersey. They work all through New Jersey, but also in New York City, so they have a pretty wide umbrella. When they made the move out to the suburbs, their business changed a little, but it turned out to be really for the best. They now focus on young families whose homes are in the million-dollar range and empty nesters whose homes are in the 5000000 million-plus range. Another advantage of really grooming those repeat and referral customers is they do get older and they do have more money to spend on property. After the episode, go to businessofdesign.com, check out the show notes, and you're going to see a variety of links there, which refer to things Virginia and Jessica have mentioned during the conversation. To set up the show, I'm going to read something that Virginia and Jessica said to us. Over the years, we've hired many failed assistants and employees in an effort to scale our business. We finally feel like we might have our dream team in place, fingers crossed. And we think that it's due to really defining where we need help the most, the things we don't do well and should pass on to someone else. Since we've had a successful partnership for so long, a part of our struggle in hiring someone else is that we really share a vocabulary and a brain, which might be intimidating for someone to come on board and break through. We think it's helpful to hear this, not from a firm that just started out and developed a team very quickly, but instead from a design duo who've been together 13 years before the light bulb went off. And I'm glad they mentioned that honestly, because There was so much shame for me around admitting after more than a decade in business and serving a lot of customers that I just did not have it figured out. And there was also a light bulb moment for me where I realized it didn't matter how hard I worked, I was not going to be able to get where I needed to go on my own steam. I didn't have solutions. The solutions, by the way, spoiler alert, are systems and strategies and procedures, period. End of discussion. There's nothing else. So that's the eat your vegetable message. The rest of the show, though, is going to be about how they implemented specific strategies that help them hire effectively and then the explosion of their business, which is so exciting and I will say not unique to Business of Design's community of peers. So if you're thinking you really are ready to get serious and implement some systems and strategies, I can't recommend doing so enough. Something else that's exciting, we have our winners of Sarah Vermont's Career Rookie and Career Gasm Books. Thank you so much for everyone who shared what they wished they had learned in design school, like Tanya Bell from Green Room Interiors in Melbourne. And I learned when I was in Australia to say Melbourne and not Melbourne. So uh, thank you for all of that. And I miss it. I want to go back. I'm ready. I'm ready. So Tanya, wish she had learned more about how to network and feels like that's been invaluable to growing her business over the last few years. Tanya, you're going to receive a copy of Career Rookie, which is Sarah's second book. And Sarah's first book, Career Gasm, is going to Michelle Fleishacker. I hope I didn't mess up your name, Michelle. Uh, You are living in Calgary, and Michelle runs a company called... Room service interiors. And Michelle commented that she wished she had learned to navigate social media and marketing and branding and detailed billing practices. So quite a long list. And the fact of the matter is none of us is good at everything, so we do need to outsource. And that brings me to the next point, which is it really doesn't matter what school you went to or if you didn't go to school at all. The true impetus is on each one of us to continue to educate ourselves, to advocate for ourselves, and to learn as much as we can. And that's our mission at Business of Design, to make sure that we're all learning all the time, me, oh my gosh, my head explodes from all the new things I learn on a monthly basis. And uh, I get really excited to make little changes to how we operate things, to make things better, to make systems stronger and more efficient. So. Thanks to all of you for your great comments and enjoy those books, Michelle and Tanya. And thank you, Sarah Vermont, again. And I'll just say, I hope you will all listen to the very end of this episode. I really considered making this a two-parter because it's so meaty. Right to the last moment, these guys are full of incredibly valuable information. And I love that they mentioned reading their contract line by line at the consultation resulted in them getting a hundred percent of the projects they went up for. That's been my experience. That has been the experience of hundreds of other people and yet I meet designers every single day who are so resistant to that simple idea. I really encourage you just to try it. Contempt prior to examination will leave you in ignorance forever. So just try it. Let's check in with Cheryl Horn. Cheryl, episode 111, that has to be lucky. Three ones has to be some kind of luck somewhere. It should be. Yeah. It should be for sure. But I can't believe it's 111. I I know we said
1: this at 100 and at 50, but it
0: just, it, it goes by so quick. It really does. And it feels as fresh today as it did in episode number one. So that's exciting. Let's mention our retreat again, Uh, the Business of Design Elite Retreat in Santa Monica coming up on October 24th to 27th. It's going to be here before you know it at 2800. Uh, Maybe you can tell them what they're going to learn. Elite retreat, why do we say it's elite? Well, it's elite because it's a small intimate gathering because we're gonna get vulnerable with each other and we're gonna really share what's happening in our businesses. We're gonna open up some pathways that maybe have been closed. We're gonna get technical. We're gonna get into profitability. We're gonna get into commitment and accountability, and really owning where you're going in the year ahead. So I hope you will join us. I would say it's 50% hard learning and 50%, oh my gosh, luxurious, fabulous incredible opportunities to step into private homes. Uh, We'll be focusing on Malibu Beach, Santa Monica, and Venice Beach. I promise you'll have a feel for all of those cities, which are close to each other on the coast here in Los Angeles. If you think Los Angeles is just Hollywood and Vine, I hope you'll come and experience uh, my neck of the woods. I want to share it with you, and I'm definitely going to take you to a couple of my happy places, those places I go back to over and over and over again and share with you about the architecture and the garden design and all those kinds of wonderful things. So do come out. Well, and even for the uh, BOD team, the first one was an amazing experience. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope you'll join us. Exactly. Thanks, Cheryl.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers. Just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too
0: is like the most fun thing ever when we record the podcast we often will have a video so we can see each other I'm in my pajamas and these two beautiful women show up wearing what looks like are you guys wearing matching outfits is that what partners do they wear matching outfits we're
1: wearing we're both wearing we do
3: this all of the time but we're both wearing white turtlenecks
1: What are turtlenecks
0: oh my gosh you're just in each
3: other's heads
1: dark blue jeans I think we need to like Take a picture can you,
0: can you share your camera with me?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, there we go.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. Hi.
3: White. Oh, that's
0: hysterical.
3: <laughs> the uniform.
0: So, so the does uniform. this happen when your partners, you just automatically start dressing the same when you show up to work? Locked.
3: So we often. have done it so many times, but the most embarrassing is when we do it to like a client presentation or a meeting. We like one time we were both wearing cobalt blue dresses with Literally big with necklaces. necklaces. <laughs> one time we were wearing both like Chanel kind of looking jackets, tweedy jackets. We were like, we <laughs> swear- and that was a
0: first meeting, so it was even more embarrassing.
1: <laughs> we, <laughs> we were swear- like standing at their apartment door, like, hey,
0: here we are. Oh my gosh, so fun! Okay, now you're you're bringing up all those feelings of past regret. I always wanted a partner, and you guys make it look like it's just the most awesome, fun thing in the whole world.
1: It is. We don't want to do it without each other, so we're blessed that way.
0: How did you meet?
1: On Craigslist.
0: You are making that up.
1: I are totally not.
0: Wait a minute. What? Okay. What?
1: (laughs) I know we always get that reaction but it's true yeah so in in 06 um, I started the company great time to be in business and then soon after I was I was busy I was like doing it under the umbrella of a design built firm I had been working for and um, I put out an ad on Craigslist for help Um, I needed another designer to help me and Jessica was one of the people that applied and from there, she started working with me. And then soon after that, we actually became official business partners.
0: That's insane. In, in a billion years, it wouldn't have occurred to me to do something like that.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like it's it was definitely fate. Like there's no other way to look at it because it was. I was a career changer. It was the first and only ad I had responded to because I kind of thought I wanted to do it on my own, but let me get some experience. And I clearly, thank God, I I had no idea what I was doing. Um, So I could never have done it on my own. And that probably would have been evident very quickly, but it was literally the only ad I ever answered. And I was like, oh, this chick sounds kind of fun. (laughs)
1: <laughs> she says it's like it was almost like a dating site she was like the way I wrote the ad yeah. spoke to her so it's like okay, we always, always we wish we would have kept that I know I you know, like framed it or oh something.
0: you don't have it anymore so is no. it is it swipe right or swipe left if you <laughs> want to keep we someone. We don't know. Unfortunately, Wait, we're,
1: unfortunately just, we're both married. Fortunately, we're married. Okay, so we but you swipe
0: the right way for each other. Whichever the right way is, you swipe the right way, which is awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. It's so funny. We connected, but it we never got around to doing a podcast. And then Gail Davis in New York City, who I just love, said, oh, this is too much already. Get them on the podcast. They're on fire. We've got to hear what the secret sauce is. So...
1: Sauce. I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, um, we're, we're thrilled. We absolutely uh, adore you and definitely just want to take a moment and thank you for yes. your program that you even came up with this. You've like changed our lives. We it's talk, literally. we
3: literally and often you can't even count the amount of times that we'll be like, oh, what would Kimberly
1: Salkin do?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, like, what would Jesus do? It's like, we need the WJJD and we need a WWKF. KSD. We actually have bracelets that say <laughs> WWKSD. Um, we actually have bracelets. I'm going to send do? you. Oh, one. Yeah. My- I actually, okay. hold on. I'll show you one. Hold on. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas still. It's That's super early it. here. Um, can you see it? Oh, my gosh. That, that is crazy. crazy. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, oh my, God, my God, you guys. That's so sweet of you. Thank you. I I just I launched business of design because I was dying and I, I just it was I was so lucky. I was so lucky. I just started talking about it and it saved my life. And it turns out other people can relate. So that's great, too. Jessica, you originally reached out to talk about scaling your office. Is that how we first connected? Yes,
3: we have in the past had a few different um, people filling a position, but that position has always been like a really broad position because we were trying to make them do everything that we needed, which was just too much for any one person to handle, so My original question was, how do we scale it? Like, what are the, what's the, if you're going to hire one person, what's that role best to do? Um, You know, what kind of person is that? Somebody who's going to be admin? Is it an office manager? Is it a purchasing coordinator? is it another designer? Um, I think for us in the past, we've always really tried to find another designer or, you know, like a junior designer who could wear every single hat, but we were probably just asking way too much of that kind of a person. And we've also, you know, we have the benefit of having one another. And so we're also always been like looking for a mini me, but we realize that that's pretty hard to find. (laughs) Until recently, we found our mini (laughs) me.
1: She's sitting, she's sitting sitting right there to to the right of me. Oh my gosh. Is she
0: wearing a beautiful white turtleneck also? Is she wearing a white turtleneck also?
3: She's wearing a gray sweater. Okay. (laughs) So close.
0: (laughs) Okay. So since you first reached out to talk about scaling your business, a lot's happened. What has happened?
1: So I think to start with. Oh my gosh.
0: There's a beep that I'm hearing and would you hear it? What is it?
1: Yeah, I just heard it now, but we've become immune to it. It's a it's a beeping dead alarm somewhere in our studio. That our space can't find. No one can locate but on the we, wrong
0: day. Uh, he would find me with like a hammer in my hand and too much <laughs> caffeine, and I'd just be going around the office smashing things until that noise stopped. But okay, everybody, you're gonna have to bear with us because you're gonna hear that Sorry, beep guys. too. Okay, like wow. Okay, amazing. Okay, so since you reached out about scaling your office, you've just had a huge explosion and growth. What happened? What's going on with you guys now?
1: So, I mean, just to it's it's easy to explain that. I think once we became members of your coaching community, we I mean we soaked up. Whatever you were serving. (laughs) I mean, we became somewhat obsessed. Like, you know, I would get to the office and tell Jessica what I learned. She'd tell me what she learned. And um, we implemented your 15 steps. Um, Your contract is now our contract. You know, we had our attorney look at it and whatnot. But um, by implementing that and doing what you say, and sticking to your systems. Everyone follows these steps. It doesn't matter if it's a small project or a large project. It helps streamline the business. And then basically, because things weren't as chaotic, I think, because prior to that, I kind of feel like we'd work one way with client A. And since client B was just a little bit different, we worked slightly different with them and so on and so forth. And so once the job the process our process became streamlined it just opened us up to see the business in a different light um I keep aligning it to like being a little corporate I mean we are a corporation but we'll talk about that a little further and about how many entrepreneurs whether interior designers or not don't think of their businesses as a business and you talk about that so much we were those people For a very long time until we became members of your coaching community. So we're in business 13 years now. It's only been about a year since we've been with you. And by streamlining the business, I mean, this has been our most productive year ever.
0: I'm so excited for you guys. And for the record, truly, I didn't we I didn't key you up to thank Business of Design, but that was really nice. <laughs> that happens a lot. We have these moments where people go, "I love Business of Design," and I feel like, oh, people are going to think I paid you to do it. But um, anyway, that <laughs> a was paid
1: advertisement. That, so. Yeah,
0: thank you. That's awesome. And by the way, that was Virginia. You heard from right? Jessica, I got yeah. it right.
1: You got it right.
0: Okay. You So now that you have kind of had all this growth, it sounds like your experience was like mine. Once I implemented systems, it was so easy to hire because it became so clear. I need help with step four. Like, oh, it's so obvious. I need a person who can uh, prepare quote requests and uh, get uh, estimates from trades and turn that into a client estimate. And so it became really clear who I needed to hire. Is that what happened for you guys too?
3: Absolutely. It was um, you know, I was doing a lot of, we as business partners, obviously, we have different skills that we bring to the table. Um, we both obviously love the creative aspect, but there were behind the scenes things that we would break up and it was just a very natural, you know, Jessica takes care of this, Virginia takes care of that. And so we both kind of looked at our workload and realized what made the most sense for us to pass off onto another person. So the first thing that we did was we hired a freelance draftsman. Um, Second thing we did was hire somebody to do the purchasing. So like my time used to be completely bogged down with purchasing and following up with the orders and making sure that everything was um, where it needed to be go to go and what time and people were being filled appropriately and all of that good stuff, which is so important. And I, as like a very type, a really neurotic person had a very hard time letting go of that. But Virginia was like, you have to let go. Cause we'll never be able to grow if you're doing this and like, anybody can
1: do that. You and know? I was no better because I loved the drafting and that was my baby. And I could never, I never felt that if we brought someone in, they were going to do it to the level I was going to do it to. They were going to miss a detail and then, oh no, it's going to be built wrong. And then we're going to be liable and we have to pay for it. And so I think it's important to talk about that part of it on this episode in that so often we get in our own way. I mean, for so long, Jessica would like leave with like all the invoices and her, you know, I'm going to do this at home, while right. I'm, you know, whatever, you know, and I, you know, when my daughter was small, I put her to bed and then I'd start drafting till one o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's, it's almost like laughable that we did those things right. now it's in hindsight, looking back and thinking about, but there was no other way at no. that time. That's the only option we saw at that
0: time. Oh my God. Right. My job is done. You, you guys are taking over now. You're in charge of business of design. I was just going to go sit on a beach. Yeah. Your story is exactly my story. Like we literally would call it the second shift when the kids would go to bed. We just, and then my husband was working for five hours after the kids went to bed on my business. I wasn't billing clients for his time. So right. Like happy anniversary, honey. Sorry. I can't go out to dinner. Cause I just got to finish these invoices. Like it's crazy. Totally. totally.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And then it just, it's its a sort of a snowball effect because you're not billing appropriately most of the time when you're in that position. So now not only are you working after hours, you're not being compensated for it. So naturally as a human being, you're going to grow resentful. You're going to start feeling like, you know you even look at yourself poorly because you know you're doing something wrong and now with social media, everyone, all your competitors all look like they're doing something right <laughs> um, because we only show our best selves um, it's it, it, it ultimately adversely affects your your business because you're just you're gonna feel down about it and how can you be uh, productive in that sort of mindset?
0: Do you remember what the first system? you implemented was and what that meant to you?
1: Gosh, I mean, we actually did a few at the same time. So we have a red binder I'm looking at right here, like you said to do, you said, get a binder that everyone follows. Um, And so we just kind of like split it up and said, you know, let's start making systems for things as basic as creating. A purchase order or when we're creating a set of drawings what are the drawings that need to be on there um so there are a variety of systems right. I think Even that we just developed things, at the same time
3: and we have like lists on our phones when something oh my gosh we need to add that to our system so that we just have a running track of what it is but we have for installation days, like, I can't tell you how many times we would be like, oh my God, did you remember to bring, um, furniture pads? And did you remember to be (laughs) whatever it was? And like for 10 years, we never remembered to bring it. But now the day before an installation, we look at that list. We have a bag already put together of all those things, but we check, make sure everything is in the bag. Or if not, we go out and take care of that. But it's like these systems that are just so like no brainer to us now. Is something that it took us so long to implement.
0: Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. Yeah. We have a series of courses called the checklist series. And one of them is super short and it's just what's in the styling bag, <laughs> like furniture pads right. and <laughs> Google that's in the styling bag. Yeah, um Cause right. we would do the same thing. Like, do you have scissors? No. Do you have scissors? How are we going to open all these boxes if we don't have scissors? Right. right. Like, or or yeah. even like
3: bringing the printed furniture plan. Like right. we didn't. Yeah. That, right. We like, yeah. we thinking? Okay. And we would scrambling to find it on our laptop without internet connection or, (laughs) you know, pulling it up in Dropbox, which we have access to, but on a phone, like it was just like, print the freaking plan. All
0: right. So good. Okay. So now with a lot of systems and procedures in place, what was the hiring experience like?
1: So the first position that we sought out to hire was a purchasing coordinator, um, business was good, it's, it's still a good knock on wood. Um and so that's a huge chunk of, you know, the project, as you know. Um and so we defined what that role would be, you know, like really got down to the nuts and bolts of it. And then even thought about who would the ideal person be for that position. It can't be someone, you know, I think is our knee-jerk reaction all the time is to look for someone who knew interior design or you know, was a design enthusiast or had to be design related. And, you know, we quickly realized that this is, that's not the, the um, characteristic of this type of person. So with those kind of things in mind, we, we put out an ad and we interviewed furiously. And I think that's one of the takeaways for everyone listening is that, you know, it took us so long to even get to this point. And so it's just, it's, just as important to find that right person. I and mean, oftentimes we'll feel desperate. We need to hire someone like, let's just get someone through the door. We have kissed a lot of frogs along the way um, <laughs> because we weren't hiring effectively because we really didn't know what we needed. And for you know, different reasons, but um, with, with this role, We knew we weren't going to give up. We weren't going to settle until we found the person we were looking for. So we found somebody
3: that we thought was a good fit. She was highly admin focused. And so we had her come in for a trial day or two and we gave her some really specific things to work on. And it was super clear that she was not going to be coordinated enough to figure that out. So we paid her for her time and said, thank you, but it's not the right fit. Then we had another person come in and do that same thing. And she ended up being our rock star and we hired her. We were so excited to have her on our team Um, and just spending a few hours with her. Obviously, there's a lot. She had never come from, you know, an interior design purchasing background, but we knew that she was detail oriented and um, could handle it. And personality wise, having her with us in the space like that it's a small business. Having personalities that mesh and meld together is so important. So we knew that there's a lot to learn, but she was the right fit.
0: i mean, I to ask you guys to watch. Uh, we just are launching a hiring course this year and it took a long time to finally get all my processes in place for creating an effective hiring strategy. Um, and one of the things in it is exactly what you said. You have to give people actual tasks and see if they can do them. Um, yeah. And one of the things that used to happen to me is I would just hire, use. I, uh, I think Virginia said it, I would just hire anyone with a pulse because I was so desperate to get right. the work. And then I'd be too busy to actually carefully review their work. So it would be months before I realized, wait a minute, this person is not doing anything. They don't know how to do anything. I've
1: been been there for
0: sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: We have been able to scale the business because we actually put the processes and procedures in place that allowed us to hire people. And now I don't think it's um, ironic that we have the most projects we've ever had at one time. It's not like this economy is booming right now that, you know, we should have this insane spike. There was a time... I mean, it still
3: happens. My husband, literally every time I come home from work, he's like, so did you get a new job today? Because every day for like two months, we got a new consultation, a new job, like literally every day. And he's like, so which job did you get today? Because of exactly what we're saying. Like it just, you put it out there into the universe and the universe delivers.
0: That, that is so true. What you said, you put it out to the universe and the universe delivers, but if you weren't prepared by having a solid foundation, it would all fall apart. It wouldn't matter if you got a thousand customers, you wouldn't be able to satisfy any of them. I love, I love the title that you came up with hiring to scale your business. So that's our topic, hiring to scale your business. You're at a point where you want to grow your business. You need to hire How do you do that? Before I forget, I do want to ask you, what is your current hourly rate for the two of you? And what do you charge out your purchasing agent? What do you charge her out at?
3: So the hourly rate for myself and for Virginia is 250 an hour. But if we're doing a task that requires both of us to be involved in, or it's a meeting with our clients that we're both present at, then it's 350 an hour.
0: I can see doing that if, um, if you're there. <coughs> in support of one another versus each of you doing a different thing. So for example, if one of you was meeting face-to-face with the client and the other one was measuring the space, then I would say you need to charge for both of those people. But I do understand if you're partners and you want to be at every meeting together because you share a brain, that would right. make sense to me. And I'm, I'm glad that that um, rate is up and over the $200 mark. How long have you been at 250 an hour?
1: That's very recent. So I want to say
3: a month at this point. Because the idea is that, well, so we had started our business in New York City and there was a time that we were 300 an hour, but then we moved to New Jersey and we didn't feel like that was appropriate. Um, So we scaled down to 200 an hour and this 250 has been probably a month or two. Mm
0: -hmm. 295 strikes me as being so much better than 250 though. You know what I mean?
1: 100%.
0: (laughs) I, I think that's I should important. give some thought to it because the truth of the matter is when you're super busy, that's a great time to raise your rate because you really can't handle all that business. Right. So you can right. weed out a few customers by raising your rate. So that's something to think about. And then you hired this mini me. What do you bill her time out at?
3: So our mini me is actually not even the purchasing coordinator that we mentioned. That's our design assistant. Um, so our design assistant is billed at 115 an hour and our purchasing coordinator is billed at 75 an hour.
0: This is really great that you're willing to share this information. I meet so many designers and I just met some, uh, uh Recently at Cabus in Las Vegas, who are charging like ninety five dollars an hour as the senior designer responsible for the whole project, and what you said is you have a junior designer you're charging one hundred and fifteen an hour for. That's what mine go out for as well. And so if you're charging less than a hundred and you know fifty dollars an hour, just you're kind of charging the range of a junior designer.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's just so detrimental for the whole industry when we don't sort of set a a bar in terms of level of expertise. You know, we always draw parallels to um, attorneys and that kind of thing. I'd never go to an attorney's office and expect one of the partners to be billed at $95 or $115 an hour. In fact, I'd be concerned that they weren't prepared or knowledgeable enough to deal with my my case um but we just don't have that in this industry because there are just all of these varying fees that that people charge Mm -hmm. um, for many of the reasons that i think we'll get into (laughs) again getting in our own way not um validating what we bring to the table our expertise and all of that and i'm not trying to say it's easy at all and in fact i think um that's why I'm so appreciative of my partnership with Jessica because if there's anyone that will ever sort of, you know, get a bit apprehensive about raising rates and that kind of thing, it's me. Um, and Jessica's always sort of, you know, that cheerleader and reminding us that, no, this is, you know, it's our expertise. You know, together we're together 13 years, we have previous experience before that, and so on and so forth. Um, but it's very easy to just say, no I'm gonna you know it's fine enough this will do you know it's easy for me and many of your guests have reiterated that kind of thing and so they feel badly about charging a certain rate or what have you
3: what was that quote that I found the other I just showed you yesterday I'm sorry I'm looking at my phone but I have to pull it up because
1: oh yeah that was a good one so
3: good It says, if I do a job in 30 minutes, it's because I spent 10 years learning how to do that in 30 minutes. You owe me for the years, not the minutes. It was in one of your um, business of design premium members had said that in the Facebook group. And I was just like, oh my God,
0: that makes so much sense. It's so true. It's so true. So I'm really glad to hear that you're charging for all those people who work for you as well. Because The other thing I meet a lot is the designer who says, why charge for my time, but I couldn't possibly. Charge for a purchasing agent. And I'm like, why can't you charge for a purchasing agent? If the client didn't hire you, they'd have to deal with the manufacturer or supplier to give them that product. And all of that time would be their time spent, and they probably would do it wrong.
3: Exactly. We we haven't had too much pushback about that, but we recently had somebody question that for the first time and said that it was like midway through and they said they wanted to take back the reins and finish the purchasing. And we're like, that's impossible at this point. Like we we're more than halfway through purchasing and now we have to manage it. And yeah, it seems like it's a lot of hours, but guess what? It's because it is a lot of hours. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of hours. It is a lot of hours. And it's complicated work too, because the vendors will tell us things like, oh, yeah, that's in stock. And then we find out it's in stock in Germany. It's not in stock in New Jersey. Like those are two different things, right? You gave the example of a lawyer. You know, you'd be concerned about a lawyer who is ninety-five dollars an hour. At my age, I think about a plastic surgeon. If I went to a plastic (laughs) surgeon, right, to get the facelift that I think I need, I'd want it to be the most expensive plastic surgeon in the country. Not the least expensive plastic surgeon, right? Right. So, but maybe if I needed like a skin tag removed, I would go to the inexpensive person, right? So I guess it depends on what that customer. Customers looking for. And I want to put myself out there to attract those customers who are looking for a high end luxury experience.
1: Right. And, but don't you think that if we all got to a level playing field, then we can, granted not all clients are maybe most, we could say even most clients wouldn't be prepared to spend that. But those aren't our clients, like you say all the time. And there are enough of the big box stores that offer a consultant at the you know, decorating desk or whatever you want to call it that could take care of that demographic but if we all sort of create a level playing field here where when a consumer wants to uh, purchase design services they know what to expect i mean i don't i wish we could get there and maybe we we can at some point with you know programs like yours um but in the meantime we the consumer is so confused because they're speaking to one designer with. 10 years of experience, it's not charging appropriately. And then they'll come to people like us and we have our fees. And so they're like, what am I being ripped off? Or is that person not charging enough? They, you know, it's, it's not their fault that we haven't streamlined this collectively.
0: One of my greatest disappointments is the fact that I graduated from design school in 1991. And since that point, and now the consumer is not only not educated about the value we bring to a project, but they're more confused than ever I look at the career of being an architect, and there's books written about the genius of an architect. And there's kind of this hierarchy where people think architects do this wonderful work. But every time an interior design professional is portrayed in the media, it's somebody who's doofy, daffy, barely works, is yeah. looking at paint swatches all day and agonizing over leopard or zebra stripes, <laughs> right? It's always a joke. So yeah. I really feel like one of the, one of the missions that business of design has to take on beginning in 2020 is educating consumers about the value that interior design professionals bring to the world, because it's just not happening. It, you know, despite all promises, it's just not happening.
1: Great. And I do think,
0: you know, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, I wish we could all kind of... Be clear about the level of service you're getting. But then on the other hand, I think maybe we are clear. Maybe it's evident to your customers at $250 an hour. Oh, I mean, $295 an hour. Maybe it's <laughs> evident to your customers that that's a level of quality that they want. And if you were $75 an hour, that would be evident to the customer who's attracted to that. So maybe it is sorting itself out right just the way it's supposed to and you're already there like so often I look around and I think I can't wait till I get here and I look around I think I'm already there I just haven't acknowledged it that I'm already like you're already there you guys you did it you're there One of the big changes for me, obviously hiring was a huge change. Once I had those systems and procedures, I was able to hire effectively. But delegating, I could never delegate. First of all, I was overwhelmed. I didn't have the bandwidth to even think about how to delegate, but I didn't know how to do it. Have you guys found that delegation has changed for you with implementing different procedures and protocols? Absolutely. Delegation,
3: I think, was the hardest thing for me to figure out how to do because you know i'm i'm a designer i'm not necessarily i don't think of myself as a boss um and that's a really important like mind shift to to take on when you're now having staff that has to they have to be busy and they have to take things off of your plate so um we've definitely gotten better at it i still find myself sometimes like oh i could just do that faster i'll just take care of it and then i stop myself and i say no 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 this can be done by somebody else just as well as I can do it. Um, Like even yesterday, we found out that there was a light fixture that was backordered until June and that's not going to work for us. And so our purchasing coordinator told me and I said, okay, I'll find one. And I was like, what am I doing? I don't need to find that. Our design assistant can find that. And she did. So it was fine. But um, I think in terms of having, systems in place to do that kind of thing if we 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 probably take on too many jobs at a time we probably should stop doing that but we can't get out of our own way in terms of that so we started using asana which is um a software that helps you keep track of your tasks and so that's also helped with delegating because there's a lot of those little things that come up and into instead of just every time that task comes up to say, oh, you take care of this, you take care of that. We might put it in our Asana task list. And then when we have our weekly staff meeting, that's when we can divvy up and say who's going to take which um, which tasks mm-hmm. off of the off of the project's uh, plate.
0: When I look at the notes you sent us, it feels like page right out of my playbook. One of the things you said is you encourage your staff to come to you with a solution before asking you to provide a solution. And I remember when that Idea was presented to me and the transition from employees who would come to me and go, Kimberly, what are we going to do about blah, 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 to employees who come to me and say, uh, just so you know, this thing happened and here's how I handled it. What a difference.
3: Right. right. How can you let somebody grow with you if you tell them how to do things all of the time? It's just they're never it doesn't benefit you and it doesn't benefit them. So but that is also another thing that's been really hard for us to mentally make that switch because Again, it's like letting go of that control, um, figuring out how to let someone into your inner circle. It's, right. it's a challenge. And it might
1: be easier for someone that has a new business um, for the older dogs out here listening. It's going to be, it's, you know, the adage is it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. And so it, it's completely applicable. It was probably harder for us because it had just been us for so long. Um, and we were used to being the ones to have, to react to that email, to that you know construction issue, to whatever it was, um, and like Jessica's saying, and the advice is take a moment before you react. I think it's just just pause for a few minutes. Train yourself to do that because it's so easy to just want to provide a solution. But if the topic here is to scale your business, you have to allow your employees to figure some things out for themselves. It's just like our children, right? Like everything for them and catch them every time they stumble, they're not going to learn how to learn from their mistakes. And so, uh, but it doesn't come without fear from, you know, being a business owner, because, you know, you just assume that you know how to fix this problem the best way. Um, But what I can say is that in this short time that we have been experiencing this, at least for me personally, there's a freedom um, in that, in knowing, you know, when I drive to work in the morning, that there aren't like 100 things on fire, and that, our trusted staff has taken care of some things and no, we haven't been cc'd on every email and I don't want to be cc'd on every email anymore um <laughs> there there just came a freedom with that that I don't think I would have ever even knew existed if we didn't yeah you know, start
3: taking this. I hadn't even thought about that but we used to have I used to like walk into the office and open up my email and see that I had like from the time it took me to drive to work in the morning to getting there that there were like 15, 20, 30 emails. And now there's like five and most of them are advertisements.
0: or <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's so awesome. you hit on, you hit on everything that makes me so happy. So first of all, I elicited the help of my staff to stop solving all their problems. So they would come to me, they were used to me solving problems and I would start to solve the problem. And I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're going to do this differently. And they'd go, Oh, okay. Let me think of what I would do. I would do this. Okay do that. That sounds great. And at first it was hard for them too, because they were, they were used to me taking responsibility for everything. Because if I made a bad call and it went wrong, they were off the hook because I made a bad call. Right. So then they had to get comfortable from time to time making their own bad calls and having it blow up in their face and having to explain to me, the boss, that they tried to resolve the situation, but they only made it worse. And that was real growth and real learning for them, too. And um, it it was so great. It was part of them becoming autonomous and feeling really empowered in their jobs. And it made Mm -hmm. a huge difference. We had this, um, Bruce Coxon was on the um, Shark Tank or whatever that show is called. And he said, if somebody could do a task 85% as well as you can, um, you should let them do it. And I, mean, I was like, Oh my God, that's genius. Thank you so much. That's exactly what I needed to know. If they can do the drafting 85% as well as you can, Virginia, you should let them do it if yep. they can. Um,
1: I'll, I'll tell you, I heard that on your podcast for the first time, yeah. you know, months ago. And that helped me tremendously. I was like, oh, okay. That's a thing. Like they don't have to do it a hundred percent like me.
0: No. And the big takeaway is, guess what? Sometimes they have a much better solution than I have. Like there are many times where I think I would never have thought of that in a million years, like your Craigslist thing. I would never have thought of that in a million years. Your partner
1: waiting for you somewhere in in Craigslist land.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's too funny. Um, Talk to me about how you you feel. What's your confidence level like now compared to what it was like maybe five years ago?
1: Well, I mean, even starting from, when I think of confidence, I'm thinking of our first interaction with the client and trying to earn a project. That is, you know, done a complete, you know, 180. I mean, Jessica probably tell you when we go into a consultation now, Just the fact that we're not trying to, when we go into a consultation, we weren't, we were trying to sell the whole house. Like you say, now we're just, you know, trying to get that low hanging fruit and get into their house for this paid consultation, not a complimentary consultation. Um, And then once we're there, we're just so empowered because of the systems procedures, the staff, the capability we have, where we didn't have before. Right. I mean, even, I don't think. We've gone to a
3: consultation. You know, Sometimes we know going into it, this is a potential job. And sometimes we know this is not a potential job and this is a consultation. And we feel really good about those because we still feel like we are changing their lives, their lives in their homes, at least, um, by giving them really practical, great information that they can implement on their own. But when we go into it and know that it is a potential job, we have gotten I think every single one of them since starting to review the um contract on the spot with them and because it's like we walk into that like we're the boss the ball is in our court we're in your home but you've asked us to come into your home and we're the professionals so this is how the story is gonna go and just that shift in dynamic and power has has starts from that point then we're hired and retained and because we're following these systems And these steps, they are now following our lead. And so they come into our, we have our design presentation is always in our studio and we only give them one, um, you know, I think we hadn't done this for a very long time, but we used to come in with backups or two plans. We only give them one plan. This is our best foot forward. This is what we know will be best for you. There's obviously a budget conversation that happens at that point and sometimes changes might Made because of that, but we've not experienced a change being made because they don't trust our vision. So, from a design standpoint and from a business standpoint, I think our confidence has skyrocketed in the past year.
1: And the reception from the client at that consultation, I think, so many times clients are so impressed by the steps that you've you know developed in the contract, and we know they're interviewing other people because you can just kind of see it in their face where like, oh wow this is really comprehensive and I understand how my project is going to flow from start to finish. Um, and they're and typically saying that because they've seen the contrary. They've, they've been interviewing other people that are just kind of very loosey-goosey with it um, and just maybe just not as comprehensive. Right. So
3: their confidence in us is also increasing, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys are invited back anytime you want to talk about any subject you want. So, but no more beeping. You've got to go, you need a hammer. You've got to kill that beep. (laughs) Whatever that is, it's got to stop today. Um, You know, we end every episode with design intervention and you've already given us so much. I'm wondering if there's anything left in the chamber, any bit of advice that you would give to people listening so they can have the growth and explosion of growth that you guys have had.
1: So is this kind of a broad, I wouldn't say broad. It's um, well, you had um, Nicole Heimer recently on and she talked about auditing your brand. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our actual takeaway is audit your business or audit the financial aspects of your business. It's so easy to just stay on that hamster wheel and just keep going, 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 get off of it. And analyze the numbers. And that's never the sexy part of the business. And it's probably not things that we excel in, but if you can't do it on your own, there are many financial advisors that you can hire for the day, bring into your office and look at the numbers. I would be very surprised if most people, most solopreneurs or designers, when they look at how many hours a week they work versus how much they're earning, they're probably earning minimum wage at best. Yeah. But when you're on that hamster wheel, you don't, you don't reflect on that. You just kind of keep doing. Do that exercise for yourself and your business. You're worth it. Your business is worth it. And when you actually see what you're earning, and if it's not where you want to be, you need to hire out. If you're billing at the right in the right way, like you've taught us, that uh, hires hours are billable to your client. You're going to pay them the wage they are fairly earned for the task level that you need them to be at. And you're being recompensated by that by your client and with a markup. And there's no reason that you should be working the 100 hours per week. I mean, you, you get your life back, you earn more, and you're better to your client for that. And even so much so, you know, I recently ran into a, another designer friend and was talking to him about, you know, our growth. And even having that conversation, he says, no, 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 I want to do it all. And the misconception, he said, why would I give my profits away? was his thought, right? If he, had other people doing the work, oh my gosh, I just wanted to shake them say, no, 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 It doesn't work that way. You're not giving the profits away. And actually it's unfair to you and the client, because why should your client be charged for your, you know, 30 hours of drafting at your per hourly rate when someone at a much more junior level could be doing that. So it's disadvantage, you know, it's, it's not advantageous for either of you. Um, but yeah, I think that would be our first step. Take that financial audit of your business. It's eye-opening.
0: So good. Such good advice. Where can everybody find you?
3: We're on Instagram as at Toledo Geller. And our website is www.toledogeller.com.
0: And what about your Facebook? Um, what's going on there? Don't you have an Ask a Designer We do. I know.
3: We do an Ask the Expert series on on Facebook every once in a while where we have people write in, send us pictures of a design dilemma that they have. And we have so much fun doing it. We kind of like coffee talk with us where we look at their pictures, we give them real input, give them it's kind of like a consultation, but over the internet virtual.
0: Yeah. That's so good. Do you think that's impacted how many people phone your office?
3: I mean, it, you can find. We don't know. We're, we're one of yeah. the things that we struggle with is SEO and all of that trackable stuff, stuff. right? So we're we're not a hundred percent sure how if, it, but we know it's on YouTube. It's on, you know, Google. So it certainly helps to have all of those kinds of things.
0: So everybody listening, I'm imagine they're saying, "Wait a minute! They have an explosive number of clients. They're making huge amount of money, and they're not even bothering looking at social media." Uh, return on investment, your SEO or whatever. How can I get there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, we're crazy. Cause now when I, when I heard that podcast um, with Nicole recently, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we need to call Nicole because we need to figure that part of the business out. So You know, She's in
0: love. I think we're doing some courses with her coming up. I I really enjoyed her. I really enjoyed her. And I enjoyed this conversation as well with both of you. I just can't say enough nice things about you. Thank you for being so generous with everybody listening. And your success is all of our success. So we all benefit. When one of us wins, we all win. So keep up the good work. And like I said, come back anytime. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank
3: you, Kimberly. Kimberly. Thank you.
2: Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.